Be'ezus Hashem Yizborech. We're going to continue in letter 11, 11 of the holy letters of the Alter Rebbe, Geres HaKoyder Semen Yeralef, which is known as Laskil Chabina, to enlighten you with understanding. We're going deep into this idea of enlightenment, which is a fascinating journey into enlightenment, which the mere knowledge alone, the mere yidiyah of the Torah, the mere yidiyah, the yidiyahs, the knowledge that the Alter Rebbe is giving us shifts our consciousness into a state of enlightenment. So on some level, today is Lagba Omer. Lagba Omer was the revelation of the inner dimension of the Torah. We're to be able to have the soul of the Torah, to understand how does the Torah alone enlighten a person. These concepts started to be revealed by Reb Shimon Later on, were revealed even more in depth by Darizal. And later on, were even more revealed by the Balshemtev. And then the Balatanya came and radically transformed the landscape in a way that we could hold on to these ideas, we could listen to these ideas and understand them with our own mind. And once we understand them with our mind, the mere way of looking at the world changes. Where everybody around you could be looking at the world in one way and you're looking at the world in an entirely different state. And that's why the first two words encapsulate the whole entire letter. The chachma of the letter, the, 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 the lightning bolt, the knowledge, what we would say the niche, if you were learning a business, if somebody was able to teach you the, the niche of the business, the essence of the business on one foot, the secret, the hack, the point that he holds dear to himself, that he doesn't share with nobody, that's, what is that point? And over here the Alter Rebbe says, it's it's to enlighten you with understanding. All enlightenment starts with your mind. It starts with your mind's eye. It starts with seeing the truth of life. And once you could see clearly, then your life changes. And that is in essence what we've been going deeply into it, which thrusts us into a space we are forced to ask ourselves, from a space of enlightenment, from a space of, of light, what is the purpose of my life? What is the meaning of my life? Why am I in this world? Which this is a frustration and a question that's involved in people's backgrounds. But it's not important enough for a person to ask this question. But when, the, when there's a shake-up in a person's life, when the temporary structures of a person's life, when the tremendous security that a person has, that a person puts into this false into the falsehoods of, of life. When those things are shooken up, those force a person to ask himself, what is he doing in this world? And that is the essence of this letter. And that is the, one of the ways that we could all tap into the essence of what he's saying in this letter. Because this person got shooken up 
by some material travesty, some material pain, something that he put his destiny in, something that he had tremendous security in was taken away from him. And this, the Alter Rebbe is sharing with him that this can be a portal for your life. And we touched upon this yesterday, we'll give a metaphor. That if God forbid a person who gets married, whether it's man or woman, and they find out that their spouse, a few weeks after the wedding, they find out that their spouse is sick, terminally ill, or is sick with Yenemaisa, what would be the relationship between those two spouses in the hospital? That marriage turns into an enlightened marriage. Why? Because the truth is that they married not for selfish reasons. The woman doesn't marry the man what she could get from him. She marries him ultimately because what she could give to him. And the man only marries the woman or what could he give to her, not what he could get from her. But very quickly in a marriage does that disintegrate. Very quickly in a marriage does that get confused. And then you go away from a state of enlightenment, either because you don't know, because you never even knew this, because you never even thought about it, or because of all the baggage that you bring to the table. All the creation of your ego, the creation of living 12 or 13 years with a false sense of self. And then sometimes never even recognizing what does it mean that you have a soul? What does it mean to be selfless? What does it mean that you could discover yourself only by discovering somebody else? So in marriage, most marriages are not enlightened marriages. But if God forbid the person is about to see right when he starts his marriage, he's about to see that his other half is going to be taken from him. Or his other half is a tremendous pain that wakes them up. Nobody should have to go through this, but just understand what means pain, how pain is an awakener. And for 17, 18 hours, you have one spouse in the hospital with unconditional love, with zero reactivity. Of course, pain could bring a person to reactivity, as we are going to see in this letter, that the person who went through this pain hurt, had tremendous hurt. And that's what the Rebbe beseeches him and shows him how for pain to be an a awakener, to be a portal, for, him to, for it to open him up to what is really true in life, to discover that there's nothing really permanent in this world. And if some, nothing's really permanent, it has to be an awakener. So of course pain is so painful that for the most part a person will, will complain and will suffer. But the Altadeb explains over here there's a different element to pain which is an awakener, which is to show you the truth, which is to reduce the selfishness. You understand? When a person gets married, the selfishness will seep in, will kick in. But if God forbid one of those spouses gets sick and is in the hospital, and the other spouse has to sit there in the hospital for 15 hours a day or 18 hours a day, tending to the other spouse, do you understand what means unconditional love? Do you know what it means? Love without attachment. That's love without attachment. It might be the man to the woman. He might have married her as the most beautiful woman in the world. He might have seen her with the collar gown. 
and he might have imagined a spectacular magical life. But even if that dovar, even if that magic was taken away, what love and compassion would he have to his wife if he has to take care of her? But that is an enforced enlightenment. That is a forced enlightenment. That type of marriage is nothing to be jealous of. But it's the idea of enlightenment. Comes the Alter Rebbe with his parak and he says, you can learn from someone else's pain. Pain is really an awakener to wake up a person to living with the truth. In your own marriage, your spouse doesn't have to get sick. You don't have to be on the last day of your life, actually on the last day of your life, to discover the truth. You could discover it today. You could put an end to everything that ever happened to you and your spouse. Complete end. Because yesterday died. Yesterday is over. Yesterday is finished. And you can live with today as it's your last day because it's your only day because there's no such a thing as time. Because time is an invention of the mind. And if you don't do this today, you'll never change. Because the way you are today is the way you'll be the rest of your life. And if you're living with some type of future, that in some time in the future, I'm going to become a better husband, I'm going to become a better wife. In some time in the future, everything is going to work out perfectly. I'm going to make a million dollars and I'm going to be loving and I'm going to be kind. You're going to say that for the rest of your life. And then you're going to land on the last day of your life. And either your life will, you will lose your life without even realizing. Or you will reawake on the last day of your life. Or the last month of your life. And you will realize that now, I'm still living with the same concept that one day I will change. And now it's too late because maybe now I'll change the last month, the last week, the last day. But if I don't change today, if I don't radically change today, I will never change because the way I'm going to be today is the way I'm going to be forever. And if I'm living with a future, if I'm living with a hope for tomorrow, when that hope would ever come, even if it will come magically, I will live with that hope for the rest of my life. Meaning to say, if my goal is to win the lottery, if my goal is to win the lottery, and every single day I say, one day I'm going to win the lottery. Do you know what happens on the day that you win the lottery? If you do win the lottery, God forbid, because it's something that's, that's, that's it's something unimaginable, what type of catastrophe that leads to, winning the lottery. But if one day you should live to win the lottery, do you think the lottery will change you? No, because the next day you will still want to be winning a bigger lottery. Because your whole mind is conditioned to never be present, to never be awake, to never be aware, to never see that life happens only now. To live the illusion of the mind that tomorrow is going to be something better. So there's a tremendous lesson over here, which he starts out, it's so cryptic what the Balatanya says. I want to enlighten you with understanding, which he's going to say as we're going to go in deeper into it. And enlightenment only can start with your mind, and it can only start with limitatera, and it can only start with blowing up the structures that you have in your own mind about life. You're blowing up, literally obliterating your, your, your securities that you have. Learning about the illusion of life. There's such a tremendous illusion. Why is there so much pain and suffering? And we went into this in depth. That the root of all suffering is not the pain that a person experiences. The root of all suffering is the ignorance of what life is all about. The reason why people are so afraid of death is because they have no idea what life is. And real life means you have to be faced with death all the time, as much as possible. And we could all be doing this now while we're learning. And there's a tremendous meditation 
But the goal is to do this after we learn. Because the reality is there is no speaker and there is no recipient. There is no teacher and there is no student. We are all learning this together. And if I live like this for a moment while I'm learning it, but I don't live like this for real later on, or I don't realize how to incorporate it to my life, then I'm not living with enlightenment. So the idea is to take these concepts and to try to make them real in your life. Because that's living with enlightenment. And that's why the idea of learning Torah is that you connect with the thoughts of the Eibishter. You connect with the machshav of the Eibishter, which is beyond time and space. And when you connect with the thoughts of the Eibishter, it's beyond time and space, you get transcended to a space of enlightenment. You get transcended to a space that's infinite. And then you start to live with the meaning of your life. And that's why we're explaining, we're using this metaphor of pain to understand, to see what means an enlightened marriage. And the reason why is... Because ultimately, why is there such a thing as marriage at all in this world? And the explanation that's brought down Exodus is because Hashem wanted you to understand what He wants in this world. You and your wife, or your wife and your husband, they are in a space of a marriage because they are mimicking and you are engaging in the same type of thing what Hashem wanted with the Jewish people. He created the Jewish people so He could be married to them. And that marriage happened in Matan Torah. And if you go deep into the blueprint of marriage of Matan Torah, you can understand what means your miniature marriage. And if you understand what means your miniature marriage, you understand that through living an enlightened marriage, you're married to the Eibishter, through Torah Mitzvahs. And that's a home that Shekhinah Shruyah Benayim. If there's Shalom Bayis, if there's real peace at home, which is enlightenment, which is a state of non-reactivity, which is a state of unconditional love, which is a state of what can I do for you, not what can I get from you, then essentially that is an enlightened marriage. And when you're enlightened like that, husband and wife, body and soul, then that's the beginning of enlightenment, beginning of your marriage as a husband and wife, which has been as the Yid, which is as the wife of the Eibishter. You're married to the Eibishter. And when was revealed this blueprint? The blueprint was, was revealed on the day of my wedding. So that's why we have to go deep into what really is supposed to happen at a wedding to understand what happened at Matan what happened at Matan Torah was that for one moment in time, the Jews saw that the future is now. They came to Kriyas Yamsuf and they saw the kingdom of heaven. They saw the depth of the souls. They saw the magic that there is in the future. What does it mean future? The magic that there is in quality over quantity. The magic that there is, what is my soul? What is my, what is my, what's the... What's my life? You understand? There's my body and there's my soul. My soul is infinite. It's undescribable. Do I know my soul? Can I know? Can I discover who I really truly am? No, but my soul is trapped in my body. On Kriyas Yamsu, they discovered how important it is to try to discover your soul. How important it is to try to discover the soul of everything. And then in Matan Torah, something magical happened. They discovered that how do you discover your soul? How do you discover this future? How do you discover this magical idea of infinity, which, which is one drop of pleasure that you have in everything in this world, which creates all types of addictions? How do you drop all addictions? How do you drop all of that? Why? Because every addiction is a high. It's a high that the mind afterwards, where you lose yourself for a second, where you are totally in touch with your soul for one tiny second. But the soul is trapped over there. 
So all addiction is running after that high. How do you stay in a space where you all the time have the high? That's what they discovered in Matan Torah. That there's no such a thing as a future. That at this moment right now is the greatest miracle of all. But because I think, because it's so non-important to me, I can't discover that. But they discovered it in Matan Torah. Because they discovered in Matan Torah that the body is a temple of God. That the world is the... You make your stand over here. God becomes... There's a dwelling place for God over here. The souls and the kingdom of heaven that you discovered in Kriyas Yamsuf, the magic, that one drop of heaven that you, that, you, that you wanted to hold on to in Kriyas Yamsuf, that you just saw with your eyes, you were transported to heaven, to what Ganeiden looks like, what my future looks like, that is discovered over here. You're not anymore in the water. You're not anymore being transported to a place of heaven. Take me to Gan Eden. Take me to the world of truth. Take me to the world of the future. Oilam Haba. The coming world. The world that you're going to get after. It's the discovery that happens right over here. And that's the awesome revelation that was in Matan Torah. The awesome revelation that us and God are inseparable. That if you go deep into the core of who you are, you can discover a part of God. Because you and God are, se- are inseparable. And the separation, the separate sense of self, is only so I could give that to Abisha. And the greatest gift of giving my will to the Abisha, the greatest gift of what could I do for my spouse... Being able to do is the greatest gift of all. Because getting is so limited. Getting and not getting is the root of all suffering. But giving is the beginning of all enlightenment. So we explained... That the Jewish people were in Mitzrayim for 210 years. Which is a metaphor of your own life until you become mature. It's just a le- metaphor of your own life of being trapped by your limitations of your mind, of your heart, of your ego, your own scars, your own traumas that you go through in life. Which all of life brings traumas. And then one day you wake up, whether it's by your bar bas mitzvah or whether it's now when you're learning these concepts. And all of your ego, all of your success, all your hopes for tomorrow... Die. But then you discover Kriyas Yamsuf, the magic, the kingdom of heaven. And then you discover Matan Torah. Matan Torah is that I can make, that now, this moment now is the only moment I ever had. But then you say 210 years, or a big part of my life I was hoping to get cars, matchbox cars, and then remote control cars, and then big cars, and fame. And I was planning on something different. And now I'm going to discover this. So you think that your ego could change in one second? And that is the metaphor of the Erev Rav. There was also Mitzrim, that even though the Bechayri Mitzrayim, the clock struck midnight, and the ego of Mitzrim, the Mitzrim identity, the Egyptian identity of success died. So even though the Jews were trapped, the hope was to be like a Mitzri, the hope was to have that success. But there was part of the Mitzrim that came out with the Jewish people. They were known as the Erev Rav. And they infiltrated the Jewish people. And then when they saw the kingdom of heaven come down to earth during Matan Torah, you know what they did? When that was all over, because that's just a road map, now you have to make the marriage real. When the marriage is all over, 
Every marriage, what happens? A marriage that's not enlightened. The selfishness kicks in. The external heart kicks in and says, what can I get out of this marriage? What could you do for me? Which is the root of all suffering. So the heir of Rav went. And the heir of Rav said, what could I get from this? How could I hold on? Wow, we saw the body as the temple. Let's idolize the body. Let's worship the logo. The logo is for the company. The company is not for the logo. The sense of self. So you could give that, so you could discover yourself, so you could discover your, through your spouse, through giving to your spouse infinitely. But the Jewish people saw that they were the container of God. They saw that they were the vessel of God. They saw they were the home of God. They saw that they were the temple. They were, the, they, they were able to, you're able to hold on to the kingdom of heaven. You're able to hold on to God. So the heir of Rab came, those people from Egypt who were looking for success, who were still deeply rooted which, is, which in my own life, it's my traumas, it's my past. It's, my, it's, it's the corruption that I was brought into because I was brought into this world. And it's the misunderstanding of what means an enlightened marriage. And it's what could I get out of this marriage? And that's what they did, they did an ego. They made the, an idol, an ego's Malashan ego, logo. An ego. We laugh at those people. What, you took a gold animal? You took your... F- what does that symbolize? It symbolizes my feelings, my experience. What could I get? What's the magic that I could get out of this wedding? That's a complete confusion. The whole idea is what I could give from this wedding. And over here you see a magical concept. Which the Lubavitcher Rebbe taught this multiple times. The deep, profound concept of giving, of charity. Laskil Chabina means to enlighten with understanding. Let's look at this very carefully about giving. There's many levels of giving. And we discussed them in the past. There's many levels of giving. But let's look at truly enlightened giving. Yishkun Oir Hashem. There's presence, the presence of my soul and my body. And then there's the presence of my soul that's lit up. Lit up is entirely different. It's an enlightenment that you don't imagine. What he's talking about in this paddock is the deep, deepest form of enlightenment. And that's why we're talking about very, very sobering things, things that wake you up. He's talking about enlightenment where you're truly enlightened. Like the last day of your life. What's the concept of giving? So when the lowest level of giving, you think you're giving somebody something, you're being forced to give 10% of your money. And there's higher level of giving where you realize that what you're giving to the person, really he's giving to you. He's giving, he's making you who you are. He's giving you the opportunity to give. And in that level of giving or in a lower level of giving, you're still getting something from giving. Your sense of self is still there. You're getting something from giving. I'm going to become wealthy. I'm going to become wealthy through giving. Really they're doing something with me. They're making me into the giver. The fact that there's a hierarchy. And there's many levels, deep levels of giving, which we won't go into right now. But what's truly enlightened giving? You want to know what it means? What is truly enlightened giving? What does it mean to be present now? Not to give for a future. Something I'm going to benefit. I'm going to benefit. They're going to benefit. Some type of benefit. What does it mean enlightened giving? So enlightened giving is like Rabshayla from Kerestir. 
There was presence of his soul. Because of Shaila from Kerestir, what did he want? He wanted that every single person in Kerestir should have a full stomach. That should be completely full with a couple course meal. That's all he cared about. He didn't care if you were rich. He didn't care if you were poor. He didn't care if you were out to con him or if you were not out to con him. Because he had one mission in mind. His mission was, I want to eradicate suffering from the Jewish people. That means enlightened giving. When was the last time you looked at a poor person and eliminated all measurements and realized the magic of this moment right now is that the schar of mitzvah tzedakah is tzedakah alone. That when Mashiach is going to come, when the future world is going to come, we're going to see that this moment right now, I had the opportunity to be like God, to eliminate suffering. If you had the greatest magic button in the world and you could change the whole entire world, what would be your greatest wish? But we're not thinking about that at all because we're not enlightened. But if we were enlightened, we would say, if I had a magic button, I would want to eliminate suffering from the Jewish people. That's the magic. That's the lottery. That's the most enlightened state. But in tzedakah, do we ever think about tzedakah like this? Do we ever be in that state? Or are we looking at the poor person as a means to an end? And that's why, this is what he's talking about. When people want to say, give me something to hold on to. Let me hold on to this enlightenment. Let's look at it like this. It will radically change your life if you look at the light tzedakah, the way Lubavitch should have tzedakah. Every minute of his life, he took out a coin, whatever he was doing. This is not an exaggeration. He walked into a room, he gave tzedakah because his whole entire life, he was trying to redeem the world of suffering spiritually, psychologically, through through teaching the inner dimension of the Torah, and physically, that they shouldn't be poor. Because that itself is the purpose of, of, of life. The purpose of life is that to eliminate suffering. But we don't think about tzedakah at all because we are very selfish, because the self is absorbed. So when we say that purpose of marriage is not what I could get, is what I could give. That's deep presence, deep in my body. Rabbi Shaila was deep into his body. He dealt with food the whole entire day. He dealt with money the whole entire day. He was deep into his body. He was deeply present. But the light of his soul was shining. Deep into his body. He was present and it didn't let go. It was present and it was lit. Why? Because he was lived with the enlightenment through his temple, through his body, through, through the city of Kerestir, through, through that presence. He met the kingdom of heaven. He eliminated suffering for the, for, for, for the Jewish people. Hundreds of people were able to eat. Why? Because he was enlightened. Because he saw the truth. That the purpose of tzedakah is not a means to an end. It's not a place to get to Gan Eden. It is the, mo- the place you make your stand. You make a change for another person. Even one person. Forget about a whole community. Even one person, even for one moment. To eliminate pain from another person. That's enlightenment. But most people are so deep into the sense of self. That they can't be free from that. But in the last day of your life, you're not trying to get anywhere. You just want to eliminate suffering from another person. And when you go deeply into these concepts, even for one moment you get enlightened. And if you can live with this, live with the concept of enlightenment, that enlightenment is what I can give, what I can give is the highest sense of what I can get. But you're not thinking about getting it all at that moment. Because you're enlightened, because you're deeply rooted in your body. Not because you are a glutton, not because you made a sense of self, but because you use self to give to your other person. You use your sense of self. You use your sense to be able to discover the other person, to be able to eliminate the other person's suffering. And that is a wake-up that a person needs to get to. And that's Laskil Chabina. And that is the essence of the Yishkan Ar Hashem. And that meditation is a tremendous meditation. Because if we have this meditation, we can begin to see what means enlightenment. If we could go to the deepest core of tzedakah, this is probably a concept in tzedakah that you never heard about. 
Because you're never even thinking about that. Because this is the idea of enlightenment. We start with this concept. Now, our job is to infiltrate. Infiltrate our sense of self and use our sense of self to eliminate, to eliminate suffering for another person. Even if we do it for one moment, that's an enlightened space. Imagine if you do it your whole life. And imagine the suffering that you eliminate. Imagine the light of Hashem you bring into this world. That's the opportunity that we only have now. Because when Mashiach comes, there's no more suffering. It's over. And the opportunity to do this now, the magic that we have to do this every moment from you. Every moment to live in a conscious marriage. Every moment to live with Lak Boimer, the Pneumis HaToyda, what the Rajbi gave. Every moment to live with this, you do this now. Tomorrow's, yesterday's ended. Tomorrow will never exist. It's only the compassion that you give today. It's only Shishkan Oyer Hashem that you have today. And if you understand this, do you have egoic pursuits? Are you pursuing a logo? Are you pursuing a company? Or is that all for, to be able to eliminate suffering? That's what Reb Shaila. Reb Shaila didn't want money. He had the most money. He, he, he accumulated the biggest wealth. Reb Shaila was, was, was not into food. He sat and cooked his whole life. He was busy cooking and serving and doing. But why was he doing that? Because he was not trying to get anywhere. He was where he wanted to be, which was to eliminate suffering for another person. And that means that the light of my soul is deeply revealed in my body. It's, it's Mishkan. It's present in my body because I'm not looking for a future. I have what I have now, which is the light of my soul.